0: Okay, pop filter, I'm so professional, professional with my pop filter. Hello, and welcome back to Elevating the Genre, episode 2, volume 2. We are your co-hosts, I'm Christopher Morrison, and that wonderful man over there is... Dumb, uh... That's right, and we are here to talk about all things that make smart, geeky stuff actually smart and mostly geeky. Um, It's only our second episode of Volume 2, so I guess I'll do a refresher just in case people might have missed... Uh, Either uh, episode zero or episode one of our volume two, we, Dominic, here, and I, live by the comic book code, which basically means we get to do whatever (laughs) the fuck we want with um, lots of things like sound effects and uh, timelines and uh, our own personal information. And it also extends to our quote-unquote issue numbers. um, And we decided it was time to sort of uh, restart the podcast over from, uh, from... episode zero, episode one, and change things up just a little bit, and that little bit just means that every month now we are going to have sort of like a theme month, Uh, and that and that will change obviously month to month, but uh, the content inside will also, the way we move through the content, this will give us an opportunity to do a bit of a deeper dive on stuff. And October is sci fi trope month. Um, so, uh, and today, which leads us to today, uh, last episode, episode two, volume one, we talked about Star Trek and all the wonderful Trekkie tropes. Um, today, we are going to talk uh, all trope Blade Runner stuff. Um, and uh, again, you know, Now with the new format, we're going to be able to sort of drag in maybe some of the stuff we talked about last week and even more stuff from farther afield. So uh, there you go. But before we get into any of that, Christopher uh, apologizing (laughs) for making shit up last podcast uh, and actually talking about Blade Runner. uh, We have a segment we call What's Elevating Our Genre where we turn you on to what we think is smart and cool out in the geeky world. Um, Dom, I went first last time. What do you got this week?
1: I know you don't care for the movie Interstellar that much nope. but I really like the robots in Interstellar. <laughs> oh my god, just, I'm trying, trying to remember, to remember the, the, ro- the Oh, the robots, the robot yes, the ones are they the ones that these sort of blocky like blocky guys who kind of reconfigure themselves in a Lego sort of way. I mean, they're basically a pumped up steroid version of someone's future idea of a smartphone, right? right. Kind of a brick <laughs> and have a display <laughs> on them. Damn it, I love and, your mind. Uh, um, but they uh, but there are also variation on the cute robot sidekick thing, and you know I read really yeah. Interstellar now and then, and uh, you know yeah. they have they have they have a setting for humor and discretion and all these uh, human characteristics, and I don't know, just apart from the whole other business in the movie Interstellar, the those robots are. Really precious to me. <laughs> and I was probably thinking about it because because this, the the Star Wars trailer like came out and again there's more yeah. BB-8 and R2D2 and you know they're be, they're being cute, Yeah. you know, um, and everyone loves that. But I, you know, I, I I think that the cute robot sidekick trope is most off. They're sort of the butt of the joke, you know. R2D2 is just making these mm-hmm. bleepy noises and. Um, everyone understands him yet he can't speak. Anyway, I just I just feel like he's, he's sort of um, the the being uh, made the clown of the whole thing. And then there's the interstellar yeah. robots have their own sense of humor hmm. in a largely humorless movie. And so I think <laughs> related to all the very science fiction tropes we'll talk about about hmm. you know, what the process is of being human, I uh, it it's it's nice to see the the robots being um, funny, funny in their own right, amongst a bunch of deathly serious humans who are worried about their mortality and crap like that.
0: Yeah, and I must admit, at least Interstellar didn't fall prey. It fell prey to about every other goddamn science fiction cliche that's out there. Um, but it, um, one thing it did not fall prey to was at least the robots weren't coming to get any everybody, which I will be talking. We'll be talking about for sure later.
1: Oh no! Um, they were—they, were, I mean, they were sort of the—they were super helpful. Asimov yeah. ideal of
0: robots. Yes, they, so helpful. They were actually helpful, which I did appreciate. I, I do remember appreciating that, um, and I did remember thinking that the scene for uh, whatever. Spoil some I mean, fuck you spoilers for Interstellar. Well, we're not really in fuck you spoiler yes. ter- territory. Sorry for elevating the genre. Fuck you spoilers <clears> is like anything that's been out for ten years or more. Um, so, somewhat spoiler for the <laughs> Interstellar. So Anne Hathaway is face down in the in the fucking water. And is gonna die on the on the stupid water planet, and uh, I do I did really love the design of the, the like you said the sort of Lego robots turning into these like this crazy wheeled thing that goes and running out into the surf to pick her up. That was pretty badass.
1: Yeah, it's nifty. And, yeah, and they're so, like, also hearkening to the monolith in 2001. Was say, and they have,
0: that was my other thing, is they, they're clearly a right. fucking monolith reference, right? Like, they, they right, yeah. it has to be. Like, they even shoot yeah. them sort of this in the same way when they're introduced, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah.
1: No, you are. They're, they're, they're yeah. totally trying to look like that. But the fact that they do these sort of cute robot sidekick things while being in this sort of oppressive... Um, <laughs>
0: Uh, Christopher cool. Nolan, Christopher Sorry, Nolan shape. movie, yes, right, and I like also the, the shape, That's yeah. a
1: that, that's a juxtaposition.
0: No, I, that that I, I, if there's anything to give the movie credit for, it, I I will I will go along with that for sure for that, sure. It's not
1: my it's not my headiest deepest elevating genre ever, but I really do
0: like those Interstellar robots. Interstellar robots, yeah, I say they elevate the they elevate the, I think they elevate the genre a bit there. and That's cool. All right, um, I uh. <clears throat> I've, uh, f- I don't know. I've fallen prey now to like watch throughs of like old television shows that I sort of never quite completed <laughs> in my, uh, not in my youth, but in my, um, uh, in my going to college years, right, or whatever, or things that were sort of happening when I was sort of uh, blossoming into a young man, um, and put things away just because of, mostly because of time, not because of love. So... Put
1: things away, as the saying goes. Yeah,
0: as the saying goes, and fuck that, so I'm just bringing them all back out. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh... As if longtime listeners know, I just did an insane watch through of all of DS9, uh, which I pounded through in like a two and a half months. Somehow, seven seasons of American television—I don't know what the fuck I'm playing, but whatever—I did it, <laughs> and now I'm on. Um, that is kind of insane. It, it was nuts, but it, it, I mean, it fit in my life perfectly the way I did it. I had a whole system. I had a whole routine, th- whatever. If anybody is interested in trying to accomplish a seven-season watch-through of something, literally watching – although, look, I skipped some shit just because like, I, I refuse to watch any shows where like leprechauns show up, um, and they're trying to convince me this it's a science fiction show. So I skipped – like. but I, surprisingly, I only skipped like one or two episodes of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine does not really truck with that nonsense, which is great uh, for me at least. Um, and so now it's
1: an like actual leprechaun, it's not the Ferengi, right? It's uh, yes, no, it, uh,
0: it wasn't actually a leprechaun. It's, Sorry, it's not a leprechaun, it's fucking Rumpel shows up in episode three of the goddamn oh, okay. series. And I was like, nope, clink, and skipped, just skipped it. Uh, watching Cole, but, although it's worth it watching Cole Meany try to act the person playing the guy, the actor who plays Chief O'Brien. Uh, actually trying to act opposite fucking Rumpelstiltskin on a starship. Oh. It's, it, that's, you, you, I think you can literally watch his sort of, like, what the fuck have I got myself into acting-wise sort of go yeah. on in the back of his eyes. Anyway, I'm totally up, I haven't even gotten to my point yet, uh, talk about burying the lead. Anyway, <laughs> I'm now attempting to accomplish a watch-through of the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th Doctors, uh, for uh. Doctor Who, because I have not gotten through all of those guys. Um... And I'm currently on the fifth Doctor, and what I just want to send a shout-out to is fucking 80s Who, man. Like, mm. it's an incredibly bizarre <laughs> assemblage of, of shit in terms of, like, costumes. And, like, they're the show is sort of past its peak popularity, but they're still mm. throwing enough sort of some money at it, so the sets are kind of great. Um, uh, and then you get, like, just crazy dudes in rubber suits – and people in metal costumes that are that are just horrifyingly bad and it's all massively overlit because it's all shot on a studio set and but goddammit are they trying you know and it's just and it's also wonderful to watch like actors forced in like a static camera shot to like you know they have all of the bad television sci-fi tropes like somebody's choking and they have to like react in a terrible way, or they have to get knocked over mm-hmm. by this rubber arm thing that clearly couldn't <laughs> knock over, like, a sugar cube, like, your kitten literally has more, like, um, pounds per square inch force than this fucking rubber arm, but yet it somehow knocks a, a, a fully formed human, uh, or Gallifrey and man across a room, right, and watching the actors have to fucking do that is just fantastic, I don't know, I just... I just enjoy it, and they definitely succumb to like everything is shiny and silver um, most of the time, uh, and blinky lights and stuff like that. It's just been a it's just been a barrel of, of fun, and and in in a nice in a good way. And some of the stories are just absolute batshit crazy because again, at this point, by the fifth Doctor, uh, they're on season like twenty four, right? I mean, it's uh, absolutely okay. insane how much how much fucking stuff they've churned through by this point. But anyway. A uh, little okay. shout out to the. No, fifth wait, doctor. wait,
1: Again, just briefly, as someone who's bad at Doctor Who, me, yeah. I'm bad at Doctor Who, you're the you're saying the fifth, sixth, and seventh Doctors. Yep. And they were located around the
0: 80s. Absolutely, yeah. The, so the fifth, okay. the fifth uh, uh, ooh, Doctor Who nerds are going to get angry at me. I don't know the exact dates. I believe the fir- the fifth Doctor is 81 to 83. A- so I'm somewhere in 83 or 84 okay. right now. And then the show actually finally gets closed closes up shop finally in 1987. Um, so oh. the seventh Doctor is actually going to close up shop in 1987. So uh, I think that's right, 87, or, 87 or 88. Um, I don't uh, think it makes it all the way to 89, but somewhere around there. Anyway, so.
1: So Doctor Who also had this, this volumes. Of, yes, technically, yes. Different aspects. I
0: that is true. Say. We are in we are in good company. Yes, technically, the new mm-hmm. Doctor Who is Doctor Who Volume Two, but they don't use that moniker. Um, uh, we'll believe anyway. in redemption, folks. That's and, right. And sequels. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are on to Blade Runner. Now, we've discussed this a bit in brief. We uh, we had our um, – we were talking about the Asian influence in sci-fi, and we brought out – we drug out a lot of Blade Runner in that episode, if you want to go back and listen to that. So we're going to try not to cover some of this, that stuff. Just uh, know that the original Blade Runner, at least – from dom and i's perspective i think excuse me i am not mean to be speaking for you dom please feel free to correct me hey, if i'm, I'm right wrong here, here. If you're gonna yeah,
1: speak it's, for yeah. me it's might as, might as well be now <laughs> yes yeah, right great
0: um definitely our perspective is that you know, look blade runner like a lot of american films uses the asian stuff as an otherness thing and that's a bit questionable and weird um but you know whatever there you go i think that's all we need to say about that uh, unless you want to throw in something else you want to
1: well based on how much Asian stuff there was in the design of the sequel of Blade Runner I just completely yes. forgot about it as an issue in, in the first Blade Runner I mean <laughs> it's there but, yeah. then, but and if we're just talking about Asian influence on science fiction design
0: yep. and
1: pageantry Yeah, <laughs> they, they went all the way on, on that one yep. um, and, which is cool looks cool all those characters the kanji that korean looks cool everywhere yeah unclear who needs it because <laughs> it very see? few people who show up in the movie appear ethnically asian at all yeah. anyway and they they occasionally speak their you know modified street speak and it's a, a combination of all these different languages but right there aren't really any other languages going on yep um maybe at some point they just decided it looked Well, like, you know, like the tattoo thing, like it was just going to be on everything. Um, But hey, that's, that's, that's okay. We're not, we're not, we're not beefing with that. It's, it's not the end of the world. It's just something to note.
0: Yes. Right. And look, Blade Runner is, nobody needs a, nobody needs a, a, like a reek encapsulation of Blade Runner, right? It's, it's, it's iconic, um, uh and the reason that's one that's the reason we're talking about it right the what, what about its iconography in particular continued uh, ended up affecting film um overall and also what ended up affecting um um you know particularly science fiction- american science fiction and possibly even beyond american science fiction and obviously look people later on twenty nine twenty forty nine is out however you feel about that it's a it's a reality both Dom and I have seen it we are going to be talking about it. I don't know if we're gonna be talking about it at length, but we're certainly going to reference it um to make say again we're not a we're not a movie review podcast. You will get our thoughts on it more than likely as an overall thing, but we're gonna sort of pick into it. So warning spoilers for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. If you haven't haven't checked it out, I would just go ahead and stop this podcast right now and then come back after you've seen it. Um
1: Warning spoilers so, for twenty forty nine.
0: <laughs> look, I mean, two. I guess that's just might as well. Look, let's just go ahead and start from. Let's just go ahead and start from there. Like, let's let's talk about the conversation between those two films, shall we? Because I think everybody mm-hmm. understands what Blade Runner is or was. Um, uh, so here's my quickie encapsulation, right? Blade Runner is a film noir science fiction that is that falls into a group of certain types of what I guess people would call slow paced science sci fi. But it's a film noir sci-fi that has a very, very intense aesthetic, um, and <clears throat> and a lot to say about quote unquote what it means to be human while still really just executing a, a pretty straight-up film noir sort of type plot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, minus the femme fatale ever actually interact. Well, that's not true. What am I talking about? No, the femme fatale does actually interact with the the oh, lead it's character. Totally Sorry, femme yeah, there's totally a totally femme fatale. It's just she just ends up not actually being a femme fatale. She just <clears throat> you, were, you
1: were just remembering that she's sort of an artificial person. Yes, <laughs> but- <laughs> right.
0: I mean, she doesn't act like a. She doesn't end up acting like a. So. She's introduced as a femme fatale that then doesn't act like a femme fatale at all. There's no there's no betrayal or anything at the end. Blah blah blah. And there's very even very little suspense that she's going to. Um, betray him at any point. So, anyway. Um, so now we have this sequel thing. Oh. I'm sorry, is there something else, anything else you want to add? No, no, I, just, I was just rolling Runner? that around
1: in my head because I really like the film noir template. Sure. Because um, it fits on so many things including the science fiction. And I was just, uh, remembering that, the yes, the the mystery aspect is a little missing in both the Blade Runners. There's, there's not as much uncovering a big, whoa, wow, in the end. Like... <clears throat> like you know, humans are so duplicitous. Wow, I can't believe you just went the other way on that. It was, right? Um, it's 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 not that tightly, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, it's not definitely not a carbon it. Yeah, it's I not mean, a carbon copy. There's 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 very little mystery outside of the dude. The, the the private detective is on a quest to find hidden things, which in this case just happen to be hidden pe- hidden replicants. But he's got no. He's got no mandate in order to get more information. He's just literally hunting them to fucking straight up murder them. So there you go. Um, And I think the template is much more from all of the shadows, all of the empty buildings, all of the Mm – again, just the aesthetic, right? That's the thing that Mm – one of the main things that they're sort of borrowing. And again – and then they also borrow the clothes, right? I mean Mm -hmm. – and I want to talk about this a bit. I want to get much more deep into this a bit later They you know. Blade Runner really introduces what I would call retro sci-fi, as opposed to something like a used future that Star Wars brings. But whatever, we can talk yeah, about that. But a lot I can... about,
1: yeah, nostalgia. I, just on that note, I also wanted—I really appreciated what, that Ryan Gosling was sort of uh, hearkening back to that uh, uh, snarky film noir detective character with his sarcastic comments about serial numbers. I thought he was going for you know mm-hmm. being in, in genre there, and you know I'm. I'm yeah. I'm a fan
0: of Ryan Gosling doing that. Yeah. I mean, that, so yeah, sorry. So I was still, sorry, I was still on the original. So now let's jump over to the, uh, let's jump over <laughs> to the new one a bit. So the new one, I don't know, how would you encapsulate the new one? Like if you can encapsulate, the first one is like film noir, sci-fi, um, you know, with a detective trying to go murder the people he's looking for. How would you sort of encapsulate the new film? Is there, is there sort of an easier sort of um, is there an easy sort of tag or handle you can sort of slap together?
1: Yeah, well, the way I look at it, and this will probably make it sound like I liked it more than I did. I liked it pretty much, but when the experience to watch it was, you remember the UC Theater, right, in Berkeley? Uh, you know, one of those wonderful movie theaters yep. that played interesting double features from all throughout cinema history, different bill every night, all sorts of weird stuff. Well, I mean, one of their favorite things to do was show uh, Blade Runner and Brazil together i don't know if you remember
0: <laughs> that,
1: that was that was like every at, at the time everyone's uh you know uh, wow cyberpunk dystopian wow let's yeah go be in this for four hours Blade mm. Runner in brazil god um and brazil's the movie by terry gilliam also uh, right. you know i famous uh influential science fiction dystopian film but um if you haven't seen it but um I did feel in this extraordinarily long sequel it did kind of have that feeling of like you have got to watch Blade Runner and Brazil mash together. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's had sort of the it was, it was like they just threw those things together and made the future <laughs> because it's very long and there's all this sort of uh, grotesquerie and again I was I, I had problems with the, uh, the extended sequences in his apartment just playing with all his gadgets mm-hmm. um, but that was when I felt it was you know, it was approaching this sort of arch satire of Brazil. You know, like when he goes back wow. to Sparrman, and all the piping is crazy, and so you're just like, you're, he's living in this, you know, uh, you know satire of what future human life would be, and it's kind of huh, dry and sad. Anyway, that's that's how I'm uh, encapsulating it. I, I it was I experientially like the double feature of the U C theater. <laughs> With Blade Runner and Brazil, and that was great.
0: Okay. I don't
1: think it had the same weight of ideas of either of them.
0: But it kind of
1: felt. It kind of felt like you were doing. Interesting. That.
0: that is fascinating. I. That is interesting. I. It did not hit me as satirical on any level, which is fascinating. I'll have to fucking think about that. Um. Uh, but maybe. I mean. I guess. You know. It's always. Because again, Ryan Gosling for me, look, I, I tend to really like Ryan Gosling when he's cast in a certain way. However, he falls into this category of actors that are that are that are sort of getting a lot of work lately, which are the actors that really insist on doing absolutely fucking nothing, right? Like uh, they, ins- <laughs> they insist that at least 20% of their performance is them looking blankly at the camera, particularly in certain emotional moments, so that you literally cannot read them. And again, it works in certain in certain contexts. For me, it works a hell of a lot in Drive. That's the type of movie mm-hmm. where that makes a lot of sense. And even you could even go so far as to say that maybe his character in Drive is slightly autistic. Um, and just doesn't really get humans in general. Or slightly a replicant. Or slightly a replicant, right. And again, Drive
1: was another movie that could have been Blade Runner twenty forty nine could have been the uh, sequel to.
0: <laughs> That's possible and,
1: too. And, and ends very similarly.
0: Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, in a certain way, right? I mean, you know, um and so and again, you know, Ryan Gosling, it, it's it fits for this character that he's mm-hmm, totally. and this is not a spoiler at all. People uh, I think everybody knows Ryan Gosling is is from The Jump, we all know he's playing a replicant um who is a Blade Runner, who is who is who is a Blade Runner. Um and and so it kind of works like the idea does this guy actually have emotions, does he just not know what to do with them or whatever? However, their insistence on jamming a love story into this guy's world kind of mm. belays that, belies that. And I think this is, tends to be de- This – I'm going to lay this at the feet of the director. Like I think Dennis Villevue, unfortunately, a whip crack of a fucking camera dude and knows how to make things yeah. look amazing. His storytelling – his emotional storytelling is so – I think misguided a lot of the times, and is just sort of hitting wrong notes in the wrong places. And I don't know if he just he's doing that on purpose or he's just not good at it. I I, I don't know. But whatever. Uh, Dom and I are on record as not being a rival fans, and we might be we might crack into that a little bit later. But anyway, I'm completely yeah. off off what I was trying to say, trying to encapsulate this new movie. So for for you, it's Blade Runner Brazil Smash Smashola, <laughs> um, which is cool, I guess. For me. It's – I was a little – and again, it's always super personal, right? Like especially with these properties, these IPs that have been in our yeah. life for so long. Look, yeah. I'm a little obsessed with um, the Ghost in the Shell series, and but the aspect of the Ghost in the Shell series, and I'm talking about the animated stuff, all the animated stuff, the movies and a, and a couple of the TV show, shows where they are so deeply interested in examining wo- – there is no character on screen that is fully human – um, outside of one character who is not the main character, a character named Togusa, and that is a regular police guy, and the only thing he has is what's called an e-brain, which everybody has. It would be like if you didn't have one, it would be like you showing up without a cell phone, like not even just a smartphone, but not a cell phone. So, but so even Togusa to some degree is is cyberized, but um, and they really it, try to play with that, and like what does that mean, and and especially in that world, their dystopian version is that. Well, fuck you if you're part robotic and you're part cyber. People can hack you, right? Like, what happens? What what happens when you live in a world where other humans can literally hack your brain or hack your body, and weird shit can happen? So, new Blade Runner is not at all interested in that concept. But what it is interested in is that every character on screen, as far as I can tell, is exactly the same way. Everybody's one step, at least one step removed from being actual humans, right? Hmm. Um, okay. So that seems to me about what they're fo- that that seems to me of what they're focusing on, right? Um, uh, and I find that endlessly fascinating. And I'm I am I am slightly angry that someone got to that script before got to an American version of that script before I did. But there you go. I'm happy they did it. Uh, now again, whether we can, I can now then try to critique it, the it'll, movie. It'll
1: come back. It keeps coming back. Oh yeah, it'll be. It's so fine. Good.
0: It's it's. I think it's an endless. It's certainly an endless uh, topic of conversation, especially as we start to actually as a society move that direction um but anyway my point is i could i would love to argue i would love to discuss that movie eventually in light of whether how they handle that and whether they whether they succeed or not succeed but that's not really the point of this again this podcast we're talking about sort of tropes and things that they've carried over um maybe from the first movie into this movie i mean so the first thing i want to say is the trope of like the dark stormy rainy street was the first thing that this that the sequel was like fuck you um we're in the we're basically in a bright all day desert right like the whole first <laughs> sequence is like is all bright light and like which was which was c- clever i mean i thought that was nice it's like this is the day compared to the night of the first movie um uh at least that's what they were trying to convince us of in the first in the beginning i think i don't know did you notice that i mean
1: oh um yes <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> It was kind of a lame light, though. So it was, yeah, it was it was definitely an an oppressive light, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I'm glad they didn't show us exactly the same landscape establishing right. shots.
0: Um, yeah, I think they pushed that. They pushed. Yeah, let's so let's talk about the trope of L- L.A. Right, the the L.A. setting that they had in the first movie. Which is rain, super oppressive darkness, constant neon light. Um, I don't think there's a day – I can't even think of a day shot that's in that movie. And even in there – when there is sort of day when Deckard goes to the Tyrell Corporation, the first thing they do is they draw those cool, super cool, weird electronic blinds to make it all – Yeah. To make it even darker and that's when Sean Young shows up, right? Uh, Always
1: magic hour in there.
0: Yeah, it's always – it's at least magic hour and darker. So – So the L.A. they showed us in this one, the only thing for me that was a little discordant was in the first Blade Runner, they're like, hey, there's nobody left on Earth, right? And L.A. is maybe one of the last bastions of everything being there. But I just felt like in the new Blade Runner, there was a lot of happy people (laughs) in L.A. until they finally left. Yeah, did I am I am I? Mis- oh, okay,
1: that's interesting. Um, I th- I think you're right, and I think I had a different filter going on at that yeah. at that moment. Wait, 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 what's your what's your example of a happy person? I mean, <laughs> it
0: just seemed well. It was it was brighter. the The technology seemed. I mean, again, the technology had advanced, which was good, I guess. Um, but I was just hoping for it all to be a little bit more. Like to feel like we had pro- – that LA had progressed in a negative direction. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> more, more people had this. left – that more people had left LA, that more people had left Earth, right? Like I, I don't uh, know. And I just didn't feel – I felt like LA was pretty populated by – I guess it's just the colors, right? There was a lot of uh, uh, that blue ne- – they went with – so in the original Blade Runner, they go with this yellow, orange, neon and slightly yeah. red in this, there's a lot of blue neon when you're on the street in in, in 2049. Maybe I'm misremembering this, but a lot of the – I feel like a lot of all the projections um, that, they, again, is a trope that they established in Blade Runner that they bring over and, and make even bigger because now the projections are literally walking down the street around you are all hued very blue. Um and it's a cold yeah, color, and it just—I don't know. It's just—it made me feel like it was a bit happier. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't also, know.
1: I mean, it made no, no, no. It's it's, it's a great thing to bring up. It, it might be a question of, like, um, you know, at the time of original Blade Runner, the the skewing very dark, and uh, film noir might have been thought of as risky, but we came mm-hmm. to think of it as beautiful in itself. You know, it's sort of sure. crafted up aesthetic. So, so over time, I just wonder if. Kind of place where just uh, we we found our you know uh, dystopia is pretty happy place and we're so we just kind of <laughs> used to it now we're just we're always like okay how do we look like a, as a future slum but not really like a slum like a Blade Runner slum which right is cool. right you know, so a cool future like, Blade
0: Runner <laughs> to
1: layer some holographs over so I mean I just I mean I'm, yeah. I'm really glad because now I'm tripping on like whether that's just uh, you know an adaptation in our aesthetic that we've come up. But I also want to, you know, when you go back to the thing about, uh, you know, uh, Gosling as a, as a very still, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
1: still, still faced school of, cinema mm. acting. I did get the sense that there, that no one was happy about anything.
0: Okay. And, there, okay. and yeah. Uh,
1: and just sort of in the sense of a future that is, going towards, uh. Going towards a bad future. Okay. Everyone's either everyone's like extremely nervous, and and you know mm. they, they're like overexposed to technology or whatever. They just no one's calm. <laughs> guess Ex- except except for
0: Bla- except for fucking Ryan Gosling, who's like calm all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, guess yeah. It's, I not mean, a,
1: it's not a happy calm necessarily. It's not a, yeah. Yeah. That's true. All the peaceful Zen calm. Um, yeah.
0: No, that's a good point.
1: But everyone's kind of like agitated and and you know wigging out basically yeah. um that's a good point that's anyway a, but yeah. that's that was my thinking about it but now um mm-hmm. but it, but it could be wrong it doesn't i mean there was but this. i but i also like what they, you're they bringing did up have like, an active sex club scene and maybe those people were having fun but <laughs> <not> totally, <so. laughs> All
0: right, yeah that robot sex club scene had to have that um <clears throat> so i mean i also like what you're bringing up here is like sort of the the blade runner dystopian slum that is still somehow kind of cool and again you know hollywood you could always lay this at the blame the feet of hollywood like for never giving poor what poor people actually look like actually you know what the actual lower social socioeconomic status looks like to feel like it's dirty it always feels too pretty or it feels like it's designed right which we all know is that like when you're fucking poor things entropy just takes over and shit falls apart right nothing is designed um and nothing yeah, is an that well-lived in Hollywood movies are, are not good at it and they don't want to be good at it. Yes, exactly. That's a good point. They don't want to be good at it. But but it is it is an interesting point that, that I do think that Blade Runner did establish that trope, right? Like we're going to go to the science fiction slum, but somehow it's still fucking super cool, right? Like I mean even The Matrix – Oh, sure. Even The Matrix when you get into the real world, even though it, at least it's super drab and like a lot of people's shirts very clearly, they only have like one shirt. It's still – they still in the second movie get the fucking super cool sex rave scene where like everybody still like somehow has preserved their perfect their perfect leather bras and their perfect like fucking whatever anyway, um, <laughs> and I, I mean again I don't know if we can um,
1: yoga toned bodies
0: yeah they're yo- and their yeah, yoga toned I mean, bodies for sure I mean and again I don't know if I can lay that at the feet of Blade Runner exactly but um but that is a thing for sure and 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 that is definitely carried over. Even when Ryan Gosling – so when Ryan Gosling finally leaves – when Ryan Gosling's character finally leaves L.A. and goes out into the wasteland – what now we see is the wasteland of America, which is truly a wasteland. Um, And we get a little bit more of the dystopian vision, uh, which I like, and the colors change and whatever. But then the wasteland is, like, massively populated with cats who are super – who are immediately ready to, like, take down a fucking police car with a fancy fucking harpoon thing. And again, they all look like everybody's got the perfect beanie, and like they don't look like they are starving at all. They're all like they all look like stuntmen, right? Because in a second, they're all going to get fucking blown up by a drone commentary. This is another thing with Dennis Villeneuve's movies. Like he, they cram in so many ideas into these into his into his movies, and they and he misrepresents so many of them. So there's this sort of senseless drone violence that shows up in the movie that I, I feel like is is An attempt to comment, comment on something, which is also an which also gets married with like this, like his weird attempt to comment on uh the Jared Leto's character about like trying to give birth and trying to be God, but they never really get into that. Like, it just ugh, there's just too many goofy, weird angels, ideas. yeah, and angels or whatever.
1: I, I also think we're just at, it might be a focus group thing, we're just at a point of fixation on drones,
0: people. yeah. <laughs> To borrow
1: a phrase from my friend Wayne Anderson, there's like a, there is some drone porn going on, ah, kind of just for that the sake of that's having a a drone thing, people
0: drone know, thing like people these days. It's a good point. That's a good point. You know, they're, not, anyway. they're not.
1: being tactically targeted by them, they, <laughs> right? Concept in a toy way. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: so all right, so let's let's all right. So, so. that's sort of the dystopia <laughs> that's for, sort of going on with Blade Runner and like how it sort of established itself in, um and it's propagated itself and in, in the new movie. they' at least um, look, they're at least in conversation with it. They clearly changed a few things, um, obviously because it's supposed to be 30 years later. but um, there's a real direct conversation with the visual style um, that's going on, which is which is at least remotely interesting. Um, uh, so I mean, I do want to talk about one the other thing I was missing from this movie that I felt was in the first movie again was the sort of the film noir empty building concept, right? Like, Phil Noir is very famous for the, 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 the detective goes to a house to investigate something, and it's it's large, and the architecture is huge just to make the, the, the PI feel small, mm. and, like, even if it is occupied, mm-hmm. it's occupied by, like, one man-servant who has no information or whatever. Mm. So Deckard is, spends a lot of the times in these giant empty spaces. It's a palace
1: um, representing the upper crust that is yes. up to Right. Some evil.
0: Okay. Yeah, and <clears throat> that was the other thing that I felt was I was a little disappointed with. Like they, again, they were clearly trying to draw parallels between Tyrell's office and whatever the fuck Jared Leto's character's name is, because it doesn't fucking matter because that character never. It means doesn't anything. fucking matter. What's, he doesn't at all. Which Jared is the Lito other thing, which was yeah. just weird to me, was like by the end of the the for that set the second movie, like. You just forget about that dude and it just doesn't matter, right? It just comes down to like just fisticuffs because that's what every single American movie has to come down to is a stupid fight that doesn't mean anything. But anyway, there are clearly – there's a lot of design parallels between those two things. The water motif, the water reflection, the reflection of the water motif comes back and it's gorgeous. Let, let, let's not be let's, – let's be very clear about this. Look, Roger Deakins is the oh. DP on this thing and it's, it's insanely beautiful. Um, so beautiful. But I did feel like that Ryan Gosling was always in a building with people at that – so, again, I don't know if that's a commentary on them trying to say they're trying to move away from that, um, from Blade Runner. But it is something I I, kind of missed.
1: Uh, Well, I think you didn't do that much. But I would argue that he – we're trying to get there when he visits that – Future casino city, which I took to be Las Vegas.
0: Uh, I think it's clearly I, supposed to the, be Vegas. I mean, it has to be. He goes. Oh, he leaves okay. Los Angeles and he only travels for a few hours or something, so it's got to be Vegas, right?
1: Yeah. And that was a very, you know, distressing the, the scene just in the context of current world events in various ways. But again, the, the future Las Vegas it's a, looks exciting with those gigantic woman sculptures. <laughs> it's just great. And um, he uh, does wander around there that's true that's pretty that's empty excess
0: No, that's true
1: not not in quite the same way because i i think at that point they're just doing excess for excess's sake yeah Um, but this does tie into the visual beauty of the film just i i again and also the brazil thing like Mm. at that point i was just like okay like you it was sort of a Cinematographers, wet dreams, snares. Like, hey, do you want a broken chandelier just <laughs> on that floor to just make everything? Look <laughs> Thank God, I noticed. I through?
0: I noticed that too. I was like, yeah. Why not? Yeah, man.
1: Let's get a chandelier and then break it and dress it, and that shot will just be that much more beautiful. Right. Uh, whether that's <laughs> whether that serves any point to the story? Don't know. <laughs> never, <laughs> never mind the film Norris points. Um, I don't know.
0: Okay. Uh, Let me ask but... you this: Did you ever feel that the first movie had a little bit of sleaze sort of in it? Like it was like there was certain things were slightly sleazed up, like. I'm particularly thinking when he goes and kills the first replicant on screen, right? He, she's she's a stripper, she's in that CD bar, she's in that CD, CD dance club or whatever. And then even as they run through the sort of fetishizing of like shooting her and her running through plate glass and like it's 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 yeah. stunningly beautiful and it's it's a memorable thing, but and just I don't know, that plastic jacket she's wearing, it's it's just all yeah. very see-through, and, like, yeah. there's just the... And overall, there's <clears> just sort of, like, even, you know, Deckert is sitting in his apartment looking at photos of Roy Batty in a bathtub, you know, and he's, like, obsessively zooming in on that, like, here and there and looking at stuff, yeah. which I also appreciated, that I thought they took way too far, by the way, but it is funny how that memorable, that, that zooming-in sequence is, and just, it's something about Harrison Ford's voice about, like, pan-left 276. Go up five seventy one, down so thirty one. So detached, but and then it's it's so all over Blade Runner twenty forty nine. You notice every yeah. character does it. It's crazy, um, but anyway, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, the sleaze. So yeah. I do feel like they they drug like some of the sleaze factor over into the the sequel a bit. Um, do you, I don't know? Did do you feel that at all? Yeah, like, totally. No, I mean yeah. that was a
1: big part of
0: mm-hmm.
1: the original Blade Runner. All the interactions are a bit gross, you know. Right. Um, <clears throat> You know, just to call it out, the Mm -hmm. scene where Deckard hooks up with Rachel is
0: yes, (laughs) yes,
1: pretty pretty nasty one as far as you know interpersonal human relationships go. Right, (laughs) but it's all you know.
0: And Daryl Hannah trying to kill him with her thighs, right? Like it's just such a, it's just yeah. There's just a slightly, it's just slightly sleazy.
1: there's fetishism and there's, a, but it does all go to the point of you're somewhere, we're somewhere beyond, you know what our conventional human relationships are, sure. and the partial excuse for that is some of us are replicants.
0: Ah, interesting and, point.
1: you know we we're, we're at the we've you know we've detached from humanity mm. to use that big word.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, okay.
1: Which yeah. does bring us into 2049 in that weird way that um, they do, they do try to give the replicants this kind of human goo Gaga ness with their obsession over a baby, which yeah. again, is sort of a, uh, you know, a feature of the director's obsessions and the weird, weird messages. I think his stories give off. Um, but I'm sorry. Did, did that make sense at all? In, in in the original Blade Runner, the, um, the emotional wrongness was just of a uh, piece with a theme. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? No, I totally understand. It was like, maybe you're just a fucking replicant. And that's why you speak to me this you, way. Right, and right. Maybe you don't have the memories or emotional context to do anything else. Wow, what would that person be like? Right. And so in second movie, yes, all those themes still exist. But there's maybe a kind of simplistic way of trying to to right. oh, and Am the replicants I... are just humans and they're just learning to be human. And
0: yeah, and it's just weird scene. that it's like, it's sandwiched like, yeah, I, I love the concept of like, I would spend an entire movie, uh, you know, again, massive spoilers here, I guess. But like Ryan Gosling's character is a replicant who falls, in, who falls in love with a hologram. Who's in love with a hologram and the hologram supposedly loves him back. And then he flies to a place with just, like statues of naked women, literally with their mouth open, facing each other, and then when he loses the love of his life, he sees her again on the street as a fucking eight-story-tall fuck doll, <laughs> big, who they, we then discover ad. with a big ass, and who we then discover. Oh, I said she, ad, but yes. Also oh, big ass, it was a big ass yes. <laughs> who we then discover? It's when a big she, ass ad, <laughs> yeah. Who we then discover when she gave? With this beautiful moment when she gave him his name, actually, that's just her weird sleazy programming for calling any man that passes by Joe, right? Mm. And it's just I don't know. And again, it's it's this fucking director. I have no idea if he understands the fucking thing he's just done to his he's just sleezed up his own movie. I don't. I don't know if it's in conversation with the sleaze from Blade Runner or it's just a goddamn mistake that he made. Um and doesn't understand that an 80-foot tall, you know, boob lady <laughs> Like wrecking your, wrecking your dreams is, 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 is poignant, but it's still fucking sleazy when we just have, when she like bends over and her tits are like three quarters of the screen. Like, I don't
1: know. Uh, Yeah. It, it, it want, it's trying to make some point that maybe doesn't need to be made because we were, uh, we're we're getting enough of that in the real world, but um, yeah, the I don't know. yeah, I I, would, I agree I with you. Really I think I think the holographic girlfriend was just a mistake waiting to be made, and they just made it. They just
0: <laughs> I mean, again, tired. I'm fine with it. It's just uh, it's just the main reason. The, ma- the other main problem I have again. We're trying. I'm trying to stay away from reviewing this fucking movie, but too bad. I guess we're just we're in it now. Um, is like she ends up being just a, a an emotional toy to. To show how evil another female replicant is, right? And that other female character is so problematic. Uh, The badass Jared Leto uh, replicant, whatever, who's just, again, who purely exists so that there is someone to have a fist fight with um, Ryan Gosling with at the end. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that chick. I, whatever. Bang's, the, Bangs lady. Bangs lady, who I get— Super bodyguard
1: sort of kills Super her.
0: bodyguard. Oh. She's also clearly— Sorry,
1: spoiler, but she was never alive to begin with, so it doesn't matter.
0: There you go. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. And I think her look is in conversation is she... with Sean Young's look from the original movie, and I really thought the fucking so cool. cool reveal was going to be that she was actually the fucking— they had, they had hidden that she was the actual— um, the actual replicant baby, uh, which would have been fucking cool as shit, but no, baby they mama. don't. They don't do that yeah. stuff. They don't. Not the baby mama, the actual baby. I thought maybe she was the actual baby. Oh. Okay. Um, and that's how they sort of you know hit her in plain sight, right next to the guy who wanted to find her, kind of a deal. But no, this movie's not that smart. So anyway, doesn't oh, matter. Um, let's also talk about. let's let's, let's get on to another trope so I can get off of fucking trashing the things I want to trash about Desmondville's inability to, to, to understand emotions um I want to talk about this. The tro- its not really a trope. It's established by Blade Runner, but it exists in a—I in a, in a, don't know—it's a, it's a category that I made up called slow tempo sci-fi, right? And again, everybody goes back to two thousand and one <laughs> as sort of the creator of this, which I'm not sure is true. But slow cooking, slow cooking, baby. You know, and I, I, for other people maybe, maybe need to know other films. So Blade Runner two thousand and one, both of the Solarises—the uh, the, Tarakoski one and the, and the remake by. Um, uh Soderbergh uh you know what do you think it is about certain science fiction stories that allow these filmmakers to like just slow everything down a little bit usually because again for my money when I'm in the Mm -hmm. right mood it's it's fantastic stuff but like is there anything in particular that 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 you think is at function there in those stories um, or more in particular, why Blade Runner? Well, again, it just, works. It why does it work for Blade, Blade with, Runner? Huh? Which what, why does it Why it? does a slow tempo work for Blade Runner, for example? Maybe that's a better question.
1: Oh, um, well, they are just, you know, they they are indulging visual excess in a way, but in a way that's that's mm-hmm. that's purposeful. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a. Good example. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's good you bring that up because uh, because yes, it's it's formally beautiful and it allows the it, it lingers on those things. All those places: San Diego, trash wasteland, um, mm. the, uh, the the the. Oh there's 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 another world they enter at one point that I was happy to just be in that world for a sure. long time. Sure. <clears throat> um and then and then there this, and then in the sequel, there are these there are a couple of sequences where they have to do plot and and do some interior sort of stuff. And I think that that um, those are the ones that where it felt like this slowness was actually too much because there's this okay. uh the, the there you know there are three sequences in in particular that i just uh, thought are like wow that that could have been oh that could have been shorter and a lot more powerful like because mm. i don't know the, the first i basically like I said the blade runner was both slow but also it, um it gave you images that kind of lingered or right which is not saying that they had a really long shot of it they just had images that were sort of evocative things, and they sort of spilled mm. out, right, uh, in your memory, as opposed to saturating you uh, with them. In that, right, you know, case of point being the horse unicorn versus horse thing, <laughs> <laughs> I think you sure. spent a long time looking for that horse. Okay, uh, and that that was slow. In some schools of filmmaking, that's okay. I don't know. Did you did you like? Well, what do you think about that? That I've babbled abstractly
0: about slow Sure. Um, uh, look, I think it's one of the reason it works in Blade Runner, particularly when you sort of strip out the, the voiceover stuff, um, and you're just left with the images. Is that because I mean, again, at the heart of the original Blade Runner, it's a garbage plot, right? It's just this guy hunting down these fucking these fucking replicants just to murder them, right? So, yeah, not
1: much of a plot. There's not much of a,
0: it's really, honestly, not much of a plot. We don't get a lot of Deckard except for in reflection to Sean Young, right? And, like, and, and again, sometimes what we do get is a little iffy. But um, it's – so I do think it's a filmmaker when, again, Ridley Scott is on my shit list for a long time now. But like back then in, that, in, that, in those – for whatever reason in those days, he was happy to let his images tell his story a bit more that's what blade runner way, this comp- is us
1: doing the slow this is us doing the slow thoughtful podcast
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this one, yeah just gotta slow things down and, and just gotta slow
0: things and bask right <laughs> and it's just it becomes and again ridley scott was very interested in doing this in his early career creating a world that you entered into and that the camera just took you gently by the hand and led you through these things without sometimes without a lot of dialogue without a lot of plot um And just – like, again, the scene where Harrison Ford looks through the photographs, I remember the first time I saw it, like, I could not understand what the living fuck was going on, right? I was pretty young, granted Mm -hmm. as well, but still, like – and now when that scene comes up, it's kind of great just for the – again, the the sound design and everything else, and again, it's iconic now. But if you actually just take that scene out, (laughs) excise it, and just drop it in front of somebody, they're just going to be like, what the fuck is happening in this scene? And what it is is you're just living with Harrison Ford. A, doing his job. B, his weird, lonely life in his weird, fucking dark, fucked up, funky apartment. Um, mm-hmm. And him sleezing, sleezily, sort of going through these persons, this person's memories, right? And with you know the only dialogue being these random coordinates thing, and that is really powerful. Um, and it adds to. Yeah. The tone of the film, it adds to the character. It does not does barely fuck all nothing for the plot. It just happens that that one ends with a plot point. He gets his only quote-unquote clue because he finally sees the other replicant um, in the photo. Uh, but there you go. Whereas, I mean, I don't know. I do feel like as gorgeous as – and I, I honestly might be taking myself to go see this movie in IMAX again. When I turned my plot brain on, I was, I was, I was sorely disappointed when I just was like I'm just letting this sort of work. Um, it, yeah, yeah. it did. It does. Um, and and it does work on that level. It does work. I mean, I, I don't it, know it if stopped,
1: it, it stops at a few places, but okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it works plot as delicately plot wise as the original does. I'd have to I'd have to see it more than once to really to really grab that and see if Mr. Denny or Mr. Dennis is 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 capable of that. I don't know, mm. but it's just fucking. It's just it is just empirically beautiful, and it does. And that was the one thing I did leave the theater with, just being happy about. Like, I was like, okay, thank you. They stuck with the slow tempo. They succumbed to a bunch of bullshit because – and the reason they succumbed to the bullshit is because they threw too much money at it. It's $150 million. So, of course, they have to adhere to the fucking Transformers Michael Bay rules of bullshit that it has to end with this stupid fist fight um, and it has to have this stupid basically mustache-twirling villain chick um, and sort of like this sort of – you know. yeah, and this Jared Leto trying to be the guy who played William Tyrell, and not and not just being older, old enough or interesting enough. So they they, they make him say weird, creepy shit that doesn't really make sense, um, and then have him straight up murder another version of Sean Young. Like it's, just, it's it's boring and doesn't is not ter- it's yeah. not terribly effectual. Um, but at least those scenes do take their time, <laughs> Meh. um and they look beautiful. But there you go, Blade Runner also. Fi- Blade Runner also fits into another another group of things and again I'm sorry I feel like I'm getting I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting away from sort of tropes that Blade Runner established but um it fits into the robots are coming to kill us like you know realm of films which is which goes all the way back to um R U R Rossum's Universal Robots which is where we actually got that word from uh, which is a Czechoslovakian play which is based which is which ends with the robot literally a robot uprising um on stage uh not on stage the robots come on stage um but is awesome is definitely in conversation with you know what it means to be human and all that good stuff um uh yeah so the fun thing about the original Blade Runner and this Blade Runner is, again, this it, – it deeply engages with the question of what does it mean to be human, right? And Roy Batty in the first movie is going to look to talk to God about why he has to die, right, which is a very mm-hmm. human thing. If we all had access to a creator, I think at least I know I would have a couple – sit down and have a few words about this whole mortality thing or at least ask for another couple hundred years, right? Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Um hey. yeah. Could be, um, but this new the new Blade Runner, like I said, sort of pulls this Ghost in the Shell trick, where every I can't think of a of a solo a solely human character on screen except for maybe Ryan Gosling's police chief played by uh Robin uh, Robin Wright. I think she's meant to be just human. I think, um, but she may be the only one. Yeah, she's human. She's human, right? Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. so she's human. I mean, I think she's the only speaking character that's a, that's a human being again. Uh, I think this pretty much settles the debate as to whether or not Deckard is a, is a, is a, is a, uh, a replicant. Right. I mean, I, I
1: felt, still felt totally unsure. Really? <laughs> and I, and I felt that because that was the, the card that the, the, the story is still holding to, be mysterious if so they spell out exactly this person's replicant or exactly but not
0: jared leto says directly to him you were you might have been made to come to that he specifically says you might have been made to meet sean young at that exact moment and he uses the oh, word made um, i think yeah uh, meaning that tyrell manipulated them even meeting or at least he certainly yeah, cast okay. the idea that tyrell mm-hmm. manipulated deckard into meeting um rachel at that moment
1: okay I'm, I'm sorry yes it does it it i agree it settles definitive definitively the point of um <laughs> some people replicants and some people are not but also i just felt that the world was full of lies and that was one of the point that uh. points of the um uh, the human versus replicant um dichotomy
0: so you got that the, the, the i, I everything just think she... i just think you mm.
1: i just think you're supposed to be eternally unsure because your memories can be implanted all all those things can be fabricated right i, I was I, and mm. or there and there's the biology of it about to how do you create humans or with real, but i don't know from maybe we don't want to even go there <laughs>
0: <laughs> look i mean but, again this sorry, i feel like let's, this let's, tends let's, to do do? this tends to fall into the heap of ideas that this movie brings up but has no interest in and really ends up not exploring which is like there's this random speech by jared leto about speaking about how all civilization you know they're all humans are on nine planets but they should be on they should be spread among the stars because and the thing that's holding them back is because he can't He can't make replicants fast enough so that humanity can spread because all civilizations are built on a disposable labor force. Again, that's just thrown off there Mm -hmm. and is Mm -hmm. not explored anywhere else in the film. Um, when it's like should be the absolute premise of at least four, diff- four different movies um, and be interesting. Uh, but what it is there is just actually to show Jared Leto a weirdo who then slices open the belly of his new replicant for no reason that I could tell except to make him like super evil guy, which I guess is – I guess he's upset that this this he already somehow magically yeah. knows that this this replicant can't conceive when or some it just makes no fucking sense it's just there to you know it's a, it's a trope it's a trope that we call yeah we, that we call kill the Kill the hireling, right? Which is, he's just killing somebody. He's killing a a quote-unquote, you know, someone who works for him, or in this case, someone he made, just because he can, just to show Otherwise, he wouldn't
1: believe that he was really bad, just ranting.
0: (laughs) God, Jesus. Anyway. I don't know why. It's it's an upsetting scene, and it's really upsetting, because I want to shout out to, I need to find out the name of that actress, because she is brilliant, and I'm sure she must have a dance background or a physical movement background. They string this poor chick up, literally in a giant sandwich bag, they squip her out onto the floor. Yeah. She's got to stand there naked, covered in goo, and listen to Jared Leto try to earn another Oscar nom because of his weird speech, and then have her belly slit open she, and, and die immediately. It's, but the, she's she, working. She's
1: doing a whole performance. It's and it's, it's
0: and it's an incredible it's kind of a job. Movie, film in itself. It's an incredible job. Um, and really, honestly, that, that And scene, one thinks that she's going to be a key character in the movie. Nope. Uh, she never shows yeah. up again, so she's just used to show how evil Jared Leto is, it's, which, is which is disturbing because, th- like I said, that actress is absolutely amazing in that scene um, and yeah. does such a physical job and is is just executes it beautifully, uh, does her job as an actor to give room to this fucking hammy, seam-stealing bullshit that Jared Leto's pulling. Um, sorry, not a fan of that scene. I will um,
1: confess, I suspected maybe she had a background in the per- in the performance arts arena where people, She has to, you know, emerge on stage out of, you know,
0: big (laughs) vagina. Yes. Or something. I don't know who she is, but whatever. She's bloody, uh, She's, she's pretty brilliant. Anyway. um but anyway, yes. <laughs> sorry, we never, right, even got to sidebar. The, we never even got to the, the trope. But we're waiting
1: is... for that lady to get the supporting exactly.
0: nomination. Yes, right. For Blade Runner 152, I want that chick back. Um,
1: for your consideration, yeah, and Blade Runner 2069 also come back.
0: Yeah, please. What
1: are you talking about? the Cuba robots are going to kill
0: us the robots are coming to get us trope um look we're actually already at an hour so i we've i've i'm i blown this whole thing completely but look the robots i mean what's interesting is blade runner at least elevates uh elevates that conversation to the point of like who's a robot who isn't should we if the robots are coming to get us um maybe we should have some fucking sympathy for them which is the other great thing which is which is interesting because i do think Because that movie does that so well, they don't bother with it in the second one, um, and they just assume that you have sympathy. And so they do these weird – like I said, like it's the – the love story is a weird misstep for me for the Ryan Gosling character because it's like it's – I don't know. Maybe – I don't know if it's a misstep. Maybe it just makes him too human. I don't know. Whatever. Mm. Um, It's – the original it's blade was goofy
1: Runner. because it's two artificial personalities.
0: I don't know about it. Goofy. I love like I said, I would sit through an entire film about that. About a fucking a fucking android in love with a fucking hologram. I'm I'm so down okay. for exploring that, okay. like you won't you would not believe it. In fact, I now I'm probably going to have to write that script. Um Fine. or at least put it in my stupid idea file. But I don't know. It's just the way it's executed and the way it's it's just sort of lovey dovey and 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 I don't need to feel I, I feel like I can oh shit um sorry I feel like uh, I just whacked my 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 sexy new pop filter anyway I feel like I'm going to relate to Ryan Gosling anyway I don't know if I needed that um that uh, that step to be taken in the script uh I feel like this is all going to be edited out I'm not making any points well, that make any sense um anyway well that's okay you have that you have that tower I do I do um um but do you know you what I mean point, I feel like yeah, like, like we end, up, we end up having an awful lot of sympathy for the replicants in, in the first movie. Do you have the same level of sympathy for the replicants in, in this movie is my question, I guess.
1: Oh, not at all because, ah, again, okay. the ending notes of the original Blade Runner is so beautiful mm-hmm. you know, with Roy Batty and his, uh, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not an action even except if you want to call it an action of mercy of right. not killing yeah. someone in action. It's just an it's observation. Huge, right? Yeah, and of the, you know, the special thing about being alive, and we, it, it's so it it's so evocative. It's so it's it's it it, it becomes so much bigger than the moment of uh, itself in the original Blade Runner. His his speech, and then in in this new one, we're, I, I we we don't have that sort of redemptive moment at the end, or that sort of. Uh, elevating yeah. moments of understanding the replicants do we i don't know i think they're just trying to make it this baby thing
0: yeah but by the way that's
1: not i think yeah. i want to add that <laughs> at some point we should track down this trope of um the al- of aliens or the uh the enemy creatures being mm. uh religious obsessed mm. um baby makers because ah, yeah. there's to the, the play that thing it, it that i thought was uh, there's definitely that in Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the scrolls and secret invasion, and the Marvel series. They become these kind of fanatics and um, hmm. are very concerned with, uh, uh, you know, it, it continuing their race, and right. um, and it becomes this extremely precious obsession with, with babies miracle of life yeah which is true but you can also get that in the jennifer aniston movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> bad example yeah and again say. it's as
1: opposed to the beautiful note that in
0: exactly like and that's the other thing is like blade runner the original blade runner is not mm-hmm. concerned with any of that shit right if it's concerned with the sort of beauty of just simply being alive and like what does it mean and like to turn blade runner into this like father trying to find his daughter thing note that it ends on yeah. it ends on such this this like like you said like any Jennifer Aniston movie and last beat it's just it's so disappointing and like so I don't know about disappointing it's just so generic I guess is the idea whereas yeah, the original really. blade runner is not right you get the tacked on ending when they drive away and you get You get the stupid voiceover, but we all know that's not where that fucking movie ends. The fucking movie ends when the fucking elevator doors close, and bam, and we don't know where we are. We don't know what they've got. They've only got four years, great, the unknown, whatever. looks like Deckard's a fucking replicant because of the stupid unicorn. Mm -hmm. Great, fantastic ending. But this movie ends with this weird, like, they've got to find this up note, like, and again, and yeah, and you're right, it becomes like this baby obsession nonsense, like, and... I get that that's a natural extension of like well what does it mean to be human well procreation uh, like your next generation but like every goddamn movie especially any kind of stupid action movie that wants to have a quote unquote heart goes right for that jugular right someone's missing a child a child gets kidnapped they don't have a child they want a child they've got to adopt a fucking alien baby or whatever that, okay I don't know any movies where they have to adopt the alien baby sorry I just made that up but whatever you know like to turn another this, one
1: for the file there it
0: is yeah right um but to turn blade runner into this sort of like hunt for the kid bit is just yeah i think slash it's the lazy Messiah, whatever yeah like, here we go yeah it also, he,
1: also becomes a para religious in
0: which was, yeah so and again a, this whole bullshit totally that they drop really
1: in
0: another idea that they drop in right. out of nowhere the one-eyed chick the fucking badass looking french french accented one-eyed chick shows up and is like no the girl's going to find us and she's going to lead the robot uprising and it's like really why where did this mm-hmm. come from what the fuck? You mean the chick in the bubble? Like, who's really just... Who's got a really cool purpose in life with that fucking kick-ass piece yeah. of machinery making cool memories job. and stuff? Like, what does that have to do with fuck all anything that this movie has to do with? And it, it just... And it and then they try to layer in, oh, no, and now Harrison Ford has to go, like, meet her and put his hand up on the glass in, like, hopeful, like, reverie. It's like, fuck off. Like, I just didn't <laughs> need it at all. It was... Ugh. God damn it, you know, and it just, uh, and it just again, it's only because this movie cost 150 million dollars that they forced that on there, and you can feel it, and you know it's there. It's the same thing with the fucking Ryan Gosling fight at the end. It's there because they spent too much money, and they're trying to make that money back, so they're trying to appeal. They were, you can just hear it in the fucking right, and that you can hear it in the producers' meetings. No, it can't be as dark as the first one. It can't go that way. It has to like you know have an upending and we've got to have and we've got to give them the fist and we got to it's science fiction so we got to give them the fisticuffs mm-hmm. um, which makes no goddamn sense. We
1: can't have this speech about Tannhauser Gate without actually seeing Tannhauser Gate Yes. by the rules of current movie making I believe.
0: Yeah. So that's a bit disappointing but anyway but that, so that's what they get so we get and I understand that it looks like they're setting up a third second another sequel which it doesn't look like they're going to get because the movie's tanking that there will be a robot uprising where much like planet of the apes, you are now at least the new planet of the apes. You're now on the side of the robots. I guess that's what they're sort of aiming at. Um, I mean, right. That's, that's what they've left us with. But again, they just, they introduced that like 20 minutes before the movie ends. And then that's what you get. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, which is just, like I said, another thread. Hopefully that doesn't well, go anywhere.
1: our lifetimes will include planet of the apes versus the replicants. You know, I would, I would, yes. I would, I would do that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they're gonna have to start <laughs> mashing up. Those you'll things only get you'll
0: point. only get that in those that those weird spoof movies. You'll get Planet of the Replicant Ape people or some bullshit. Right. Someone it's, will drop. And then, yeah, you know, and you'll get and, yeah, yeah,
1: Hungarian or something. Not sure. Not, I don't know even why I said. I think I don't know
0: why I said that either, but that's all right. Okay,
1: I think Blade Runner is mainly shot in Hungary, but maybe I'm. anyway before i start making stuff up that is
0: yes uh oh shit speaking of making stuff up all right that's it for blade runner first of all i i have to apologize to publicly apologize to podcast land even though we're running a bit long here today yes if you did listen to the episode one of volume volume one volume two um yes morrison made made up the kirk wound uh i have now since gone online to try to find any mention of the Kirk wound and uh obviously it just it doesn't exist um it just was something that somehow well, I, I didn't penetrated. know what you were talking about yeah exactly it feels like it. so I'm very proud that if I did invent this thing I do feel like it, it has legs um but yes no it does not fucking exist in the slightest bit um and also I told an apocryphal story about um uh, uh Kate Mulgrew getting cast on Deep Space Nine when it turns out that that was actually a different actress who was um uh, Genevieve Boujol got cast as uh, as Captain Janeway first and uh, and left oh. quote unquote got fired after like a day and a half of filming. Anyway, boom. Mm. Morrison sometimes talks a bunch of bullshit. I do try to own up to it though when when I when I when I catch it. So that's right it on. for Blade Runner this week. Uh, unless Dom, you got any final thoughts you want to toss in? Um,
1: <laughs> Blade Runner twenty sixty nine man. <laughs>
0: Replicant uprising with apes, yeah, totally. Replicants will recruit the apes, and it'll it'll all be Blade Runner twenty sixty nine, ape shit or replicants go ape shit. That's 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 my that's my pitch. There you go. Replicants um, that's like
1: ape
0: shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, replicants go ape shit. All right, whatever. We're done here, folks. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, we uh, we end our podcast by telling you a little bit about what we're up to. Uh, recently, Dom and I, unfortunately, we're in, a, in a bit of a not, – not in a creative rut, but we're, we're busy working on things that are in the long term. I'm continuing on post-production for my feature film, Joanne. Um, I, just like you people in the out-in-the-podcast world, am longing for the day when I can stop saying that. Um, but oh, it God. is slowly approaching. Oh,
1: um, uh, no, it's a slow burn, man. It's a slow Ish. burn,
0: man. And that VR, um, that VR project that uh, that I went and pitched in Paris has also been accepted to another VR uh, conference. So uh, that is gaining some steam. It's very exciting. Um, so that means uh, it doesn't mean anything actually until someone puts money in my bank account to help make it, to help make it. But uh, it's gaining some momentum and looks like it might find its way into reality, which is exciting. We shall see, Dom. What you got going oh, on? So-
1: into reality, so to
0: speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right
1: on. Um speaking of uh inventing terms, I'm I know I'm not the person who uh created the term cosplay karaoke. I'm definitely not that person, but I may be the most egregious user of the hashtag.
0: For sure. So I'd
1: just like to point out that uh, hashtag cosplay karaoke there is, you go. Um, is a thing. <laughs> It's something that's out there that's out there, and I uh, t- some of it points towards stuff that I'm doing, so um, there you go. be conscious of that.
0: Very cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've done it. You spent another hour with us. Thank you so much. We love you for it. Uh, if you like us or love us or you know generally we, we amuse you on on any plane of existence uh, or on any level, whether you be replicant um, a hologram robot or otherwise please do leave us a review on itunes it does help people find us we got to the old facebook page uh as usual please do comment like subscribe it does mean the world to us and you know and of course at any time point in time you know tell 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 morrison when he's making shit <laughs> shit up um that's fine yeah um,
1: or either uh, of us me too i'm also say sure. things which are completely disputable.
0: Completely disputable. That's right. That's what we should Except in the alternate universe where everything I say is true. Of course. Well, naturally. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. That's it. We've been Elevating the Genre. I've been Christopher, and that's been... Dumbaa. And we will see y'all next week. Bye. Fare thee well.
1: themselves in a Lego sort of way. I mean, they're basically a pumped up steroid version of someone's future idea of a smartphone.